0: Five, four, three, two, one. Lift off of the Thousand nine. Hi, I'm Mark Boucher and this is the SpaceCube Podcast. My guest today is Philip Berthion, the founder of Space Horizon, a Canadian based launch services company operating out of Ottawa. The company has ambitious plans to become the first orbital launch provider in Canada. Earlier this month, the company announced it was going to resell launch services from other companies, while at the same time it moves forward with developing its own fleet of rockets. Having just completed the conceptual design stage, the company's first launch vehicle, called Launch Vehicle 1, or LV-1, is planned as a small satellite launcher with an estimated development cost of $50 million. The company currently doesn't have the resources to fully fund the development of the rocket and will be reaching out to investors mid-year. Philip says they eventually want to launch from Canada, but they don't necessarily want to build their own spaceport. They would rather be the user of a facility that someone else builds, such as Maritime Launch Services. Philip provides more insight into the company and its plans than they've reeled publicly to date. Listen in. Welcome, Philip, to the SpaceQ Podcast. Thank you very much, Mark, for having us. We really appreciate this opportunity. Hi. Before we get into your announcement earlier this week, why don't we start with a little history on your background and why why you decided to start a space company with the ambitious plan of building a launch company?
1: Well, it, it's an interesting. Uh, you know what? I'll i I'll, I'll, I'm going to go way back to my childhood. We, uh, as a family, in about 1980, purchased a computer called the TI 99 or something to that effect, and we um, uh, uh, were encouraged to write programs. My parents were encouraged me to write a program and. One of the things that I had a very strong interest in was spaceflight. We had encyclopedias that talked about the NASA moonshots, for example. And the very first program I ever rode, and I was 12 years of age, uh, working from a little basic uh, programming handbook given to us with the computer, was a launch uh, scene where we had a rocket. Uh, It launched into the sky, and the sky would change from pale blue to darker colors to finally black, and then the stars would appear. And that was the very first program I ever wrote. And I think it's indicative of the passion that I have for space travel. And it's something that uh, I've always carried with me. Uh, I'm not an engineer, but I certainly know a fair amount of orbital mechanics and what it takes to to get into orbit. And so I uh, carried that along with me while I entered into uh, university in political sciences, comparative analysis, political geography. I uh, politics was my first calling, uh, and it is something that was very rewarding. I ended up working, uh, you know, on Parliament Hill. I worked uh, with the municipality, of the city of Ottawa, always with elected officials. And as I became more experienced, I would be uh, involved with uh, policy making large infrastructure projects, management of uh, teams of very talented people. And one of the most valuable lessons I think I learned was that the strength of a project is really based on the quality of people that you have with you. And so everybody brings their own talents to the table. My talent was the ability to corral a group together, point them in a a certain direction, and off we go to accomplish our goals. And that's... um, Basically, the progression in a nutshell. In 20, in two thousand seventeen, I was at a bit of a crossroads. We were contemplating uh, various options for me to, uh, to 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 pursue. I guess is is way to put it. Uh, there was the option of seeking political office uh, or uh, something else that that you know was more business related. I opted for the business uh, relation, the 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 opportunity to to begin a business uh, in a sector that I thought Canada could really benefit from, and so that was uh, a marrying of my childhood passion with uh, the desire to to uh, enact a very ambitious uh, project and give Canada a capability that it currently doesn't have and really should have, and that's the ability to launch uh launch vehicles into space uh earn that capability understand how that works and and get canada a a chance to participate in what will become the, the uh, you know the very um a massive new space economy that is going to be coming and is uh basically uh being led by the commercial sector starting right about now so the opportunity to Get into that industry was was now, and that's what what I recognize, and that's why we uh, uh, I elected to start Space Horizon and pull the team together to do just that.
0: In starting a new space company, um, you have uh, it's a lot easier than it used to be, but it's still difficult. And one of the greatest needs is launch, but also it's one of the greatest challenges. For the most part, your company has disclosed little in the way of information that allows outsiders to evaluate how serious to take you. Considering that you're starting a launch company, which is a difficult endeavor, why should people take you seriously?
1: Well part part of the 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 growth of Space Horizon, if you will, is is to answer the questions I guess that you would be wanting to seek. Um or, or that you're 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 wanting to know at this point in time, the progression uh, from getting to a more fulsome design of a launch vehicle is is something that requires a fair amount of effort. Uh, we've initiated that effort. Our engineers have concluded our a pre-phase A design of what the LV will look like, uh, according to. Uh, what our marketing research says we should design it to accomplish. And that was recently announced at the end of December. And so uh, that's an ongoing process. So you're kind of asking about what the, the the final version will look like. And that's a step that will occur, uh, just not at this time. We, uh, we will get there for sure, uh, but, you know, we've got the broad, Uh, questions answered. We know that it's going to be able to achieve uh, uh, 500 kilometers in a sun-synchronous orbit, uh, delivering about 800 kilograms of weight to that uh, altitude. And so uh, we know how big the vehicle has to be. We know what kind of thrusts we require. We know uh, what kind of fuels we're going to be using. We know uh, approximately uh, what kind of uh, electronics we're going to be requiring? And I, I would say this though: uh, we are talking about a new launch vehicle. We're certainly talking about what is going to be a new generation of launch vehicles. We've got, you know, the introduction of um, small satellite launches coming online with uh, with some of our partners. And so, uh, and while you could consider SpaceX part of the of the newer generation of launch vehicles. Uh, It too is becoming more of a legacy launch uh, vehicle. As we move forward uh, with the newer designs, uh, the more um, efficient uh, or uh, different ways of getting to to where we want to go, the basic parameters that underlie what a launch vehicle does Remains the same. I mean, we've been doing this since the 1960s. Uh, our priority, Space Horizon's priority, is that uh, we uh, incorporate reliability more than anything else. So we'll, you know, we take those lessons that we've learned as a uh, as an industry over the last you know 50 years or so, incorporate the most reliable aspects to uh, to the LV itself and its design ensuring reliability and so uh, yes you could argue that there's you know maybe not much information available at this time for the LV-1 I could say that uh, we um, aren't really reinventing the wheel and those the answers that you might be wanting will be coming and uh, Uh, in effect yeah go ahead
0: uh, okay so I I hear where you're coming from, and the reason why I ask that question is because, well, you know, a lot of people want to try and do things, but, uh, you know, if people don't have, you know, some information, you know, basic information, um, and they don't know, I suppose, what's going on with the company, it is hard to evaluate uh, them as a company. Now there are over a hundred companies globally who have expressed an interest in building new launch vehicles. Uh, this obviously is uh, a recent development in the last four years or so. Um, they've obviously been inspired by in part by what SpaceX did in, if you will, its generation, what blue origin is doing now. Um, and also what the market is, is seems to be asking for, um, what, what's going to separate you from them other than, well, nobody else is doing it in Canada.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, that's a fair question. Uh, first of all, we are the only ones doing it in Canada uh, at the moment. And uh, certainly the, 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 the simple fact is that there are other companies, uh, the vast majority of whom are, are ideas uh, that, uh, you know, really hope to come to fruition and, and uh, we know that some of them will and some of them won't. Uh, what distinguishes us is that we've went and identified certain niches in the market that will require service. Uh, we expect uh, the, the category that we have decided to fill uh, to become a, a category of uh, in, in demand. And so that's part of our reasoning for the, uh, the parameters that we set out for the engineers to work towards and uh and so we do envision uh a uh, a need for the lV one for sure uh the lV one is not the only vehicle we're working on. there's going to be the lV100 after that and uh, the lV 100 is certainly not a, um, a, a a solution that will be um available for probably till late next you know late this decade uh however uh we uh will commence it and incorporate a lot of the lv1 uh, capabilities into it it will be a larger launch vehicle again designed to meet what we've identified as a need in the market that will be coming uh and uh, so essentially what we've done is um Uh, We, uh, you know, identified, created, we're going to be offering this vehicle, the uh, viability of its uh, future is, is um, identified. And I guess I would like to conclude by saying that the, the industry, as we know it in space, all of the market research that we've accomplished up to this point, points all in the same direction. You know, there, there are variances we know that you know some are more positive than the others, but the space industry is on the verge of a, of, of a renewal or a new step or a new chapter perhaps uh, going to be demand for loan services so your question could you know be posed to to any um, anybody in the market uh, essentially, those who are positioned to get there as soon as they can will have the advantage. We certainly hope to do that one to be launching in 2024. Uh, and and we we won't be too concerned about the competition. We know that, you know, as I say, the marketing information shows that we, uh, there is going to be an increased demand in the space market and we're going to be there. People, you know, we have a lot of grand designs. I think, uh, you know, Lunar Gateway, uh, some people are talking about going to Mars. Well, all of that stuff has to get into orbit. And uh, right now, the backlogs, um if, if I'm going to go by memory here, but uh, major man, a major satellite operator here in Canada uh, complained that, you know, they have a, a launch backlog that goes goes years deep. And so, uh, and I believe that was uh, supported by EuroConsult. Uh, one of their um, research papers told me that the, you know, there's a significant backlog in the satellite launch market at this time. It, it's going to get worse for days, but when the newer launch vehicles start to come online that can handle those kinds of weights, uh, like uh, the LV1 and then the LV100, uh, we're going to have business. And uh, you know, we're, we're going to model ourselves on a uh, an approach that says you know we're going to be modest in our assumptions. Uh, we're going to plan that such that we, uh, you know, we're not going to be uh, uh, to, or let me resay, uh, let me say that, you know, we'll structure our business model such that, uh, we'll expect a number, a certain number of those launches. And certainly we're not going to be generous with those assumptions so that it's, you know, uh, if, if, uh, the market, um, for whatever reason decides to not, uh, go along with what everybody says it will, uh, well, we'll be prepared because we're not, you know, we're not going to be, uh, overly, uh, generous on our, on our basic uh, uh, demand expectations.
0: What do you expect will be the development cost of uh, LV-1?
1: So that's a process that's still ongoing. There's a lot of variables that we uh, need to have addressed first, uh, but we expect it to be uh, over $50 million.
0: And how are you doing with respect to... um, uh, Having the uh resources uh to begin development uh, of the rocket
1: so so our currently right now what we're doing is we're uh the the whole the whole process of announcing the l v one uh, pre phase a uh and the um uh that process uh, and the process related to that uh is ongoing and that is part of what's fueling our Uh, planning or our models and so once we have that information complete, we will then initiate uh, uh, investor outreach. We have um, a number of uh, investors who are keen to hear our plans and so uh, when uh, when we're ready for them, we'll definitely start approaching
0: them. And do you have an idea as to when that might be that you start approaching the investors, you've got your plan in place? Uh, prior
1: to the middle of this year.
0: Okay, so uh, your website lists your uh, chief technical officer as Bennett Leong. Uh, is he going to be leading your technical team as you go forward?
1: So, Bennett has been playing a, a, a very strong role with uh, with Space Horizon. We really what he's been able to contribute uh, so far. We we. Um, you know, I, I had two people recommend him to us. Uh, they were independent of each other, and uh, they both said that he was very, um, a very capable individual. In fact, the uh, the the uh, one of his, you know, the universities, uh, the University of the Institute, mm-hmm. uh, I think, used the word exceptional as part of their description of him. So he's been leading the team of engineers at this point. As we progress, uh, certainly we will be adding to the team. Uh, There are a number of needs that Bennett has identified to me himself that uh, we're going to have to have filled and so that's going to be part of our uh, human resources planning uh, which is uh, actually uh, underway.
0: All right. Earlier this week, you announced that you were now offering a small uh, satellite launch services portfolio. Why offer this service instead of just focusing on developing your launch vehicle?
1: And so, well, actually, a number of things. The, the 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 satellite services business that we are establishing is actually an important part of our effort to establish a couple of things. You know, customer relations, uh, customer feedback, building a revenue generating service, while um, meeting and working with Canadian and international companies across the industry. And these, these, this is an important component of our. Um, our plan to move forward. So what that does, well, obviously for the, you know, it generates a revenue stream for us. It creates a a viability for us. It allows our potential future investors to understand that we uh, don't just have a good idea. And it's not only is it supported by strong marketing evidence, but we're also active in the industry. And so, you know, we've got the contacts, we've got, uh, uh, outreach. We are attending the trade shows, and uh, so that it just increases uh, the the viability of Space Horizon uh, in in many many different ways. And then secondly, I guess I would say that we were from our inception, from the day, I guess that uh, you know this time last year, uh, you know we we started getting requests for a small satellite launch service. You know the the question I was asked. Uh, a lot was, you know, when are you launching? And, you know, when I would say mid decade, it wasn't good enough. And so we had a number of clients that were looking for service and we decided to service them. I mean, uh, you know, who knows where this could lead. They can become, uh, um, you know, changing, adopting needs may, may even require larger payload delivery rockets, which is what we're, we're planning to do, and so it just creates the relationships that we were building anyway, and it, and it increases the viability of Space Horizon to to survive and to uh, get what we want to get done, which is to design and build a Canadian um, launch vehicle.
0: Now, what services make up your small satellite launch services portfolio?
1: So, primarily, we're, so we're working with U.S. Uh, launch. Um, vehicle providers. Uh, we've got uh, um, a number of qu- queries with customers at this time. Uh, we we hope to really hope to announce our first mission uh, before the end of winter. Uh, and and so what we're basically going to be doing is uh, marrying the various needs that we are getting uh, to each other to complete uh, payloads on various uh, launch vehicles, small launch vehicles getting them into orbit and uh uh earning the experience that comes with that uh, i have to say that right now we're dealing with um a couple of clients who are uh, very supportive of horizon in that they they think it's it's you know a good thing that there's a canadian company there and so uh i'm really hoping to have uh, good news um soon
0: now um How many uh, launch providers would you say you've had serious discussions with?
1: So we're we're dealing with three at this point and reaching out to a fourth.
0: Okay. And you won't specifically say which ones they are, right? Other than we already guessed that one of them was Rocket Lab.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I suppose the the giveaway there was the fact that we could potentially launch from New Zealand. And... um, so, yeah, Rocket Lab is definitely one of the vehicles that we would be, um, one of the vehicle providers that we are working with. Uh, we prefer to approach it as a, a, a portfolio. Uh, so you tell us what your needs are and we'll get you into orbit, essentially is the way we're going to be uh, working it, and you know the the client's needs, uh, you know, come first. We're definitely going to do our absolute best to make sure that they uh, they get what they 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 are asking for. And whether they go up on uh, you know LV X Z or Y, really is up to us to figure that part out. And we'll do that for the client and um, and get them the best uh, or the uh, uh, an affordable solution. So.
0: Um, I I can see one of the benefits to you when you're talking to clients and they say, you know, which is the driving motivation for many of your potential clients is, you know, we need uh, a launch uh, assuredness. We need to know when we're going to launch. We need to, you know, have it this time frame, Um, you know, you can then say to them, okay, well, you know, we've got... XYZ offers available you know availability uh, we think you'll fit into this one and it fits into your, your 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 schedule or their schedule do you think that that type of service obviously you do but do you think that that's going to be enough to, to, to get them as a customer as opposed to going directly to the launch service provider?
1: So there's a couple of issues I guess there the, the you know the launch service providers that we deal with um, uh, m- would much rather uh, deal with us than a multitude of uh, different clients. So what we do is we focus everything uh, for both the launch uh, provider, the launch vehicle provider, and, and we focus everything for the client. And so what we do is we kind of pull everything. We pull all the strings together into one uh, into one, I guess, and 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 then we proceed accordingly. So, what we end up doing is we make uh, life a little bit easier for everybody, and that's the that's the the advantage that
0: we can bring. Now, do you see this service as being a part of kickstarting the development cost for your launch vehicle?
1: Indirectly, absolutely. Uh, what it would what it, so what it does is it. Um, You know, going back to my previous uh, point about the viability and credibility of Space Horizon, what it does is it allows us to function uh, without having to worry about uh, securing an investor for this, that, or the next thing. So what it does is it really frees us up to allow to focus on the development of LV-1 in a way that perhaps uh we we um we couldn't experience if we went straight after uh investment for the purpose of LV1 uniquely so what that means is that we um uh, uh we don't need to uh uh be concerned too much about um you know if 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 we want to do something correctly for example and it requires a bit of time to research it well You know, we'll take that little bit of time. If that's something that comes up, I'm just using that as an example, but, but it certainly allows us a lot more maneuverability, flexibility. Will it fund the LV-1 directly? No, uh, but it, but it does allow our team to, uh, to, uh, to work on uh, with, with, you know, in a non-financial sense, I guess, to work on the LV project, LV-1 project uh, and, and get it ready for, for investment, um, and then uh, progressing from there.
0: Now you set a, a target, a notional target of 2024 uh, to launch your first rocket. Do you think mm-hmm. that's a, a little bit on the ambitious side, considering your focus is is partly being taken up by uh, dealing with a small satellite launch services portfolio?
1: Sure. So I guess that that that's a that's a reasonable conclusion to. to to come to when you yeah you know, so that flexibility that I was talking about may come at a price of of distraction if you will, when in fact we view the the uh, the both efforts in the same line of progression. We don't view it as a distraction. So uh, while part of our team, for example, space operations uh, led by by an astronaut who's on our team, uh, he, you know. With, with, he's going to work for sure at, at getting the LV1 out there and selling payload space as soon as he can, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but, but nothing precludes him from, from managing small set uh, um, requests that we get along the way. And then, you know, particularly at this stage of the game, uh, once, you know, a couple of years go by – uh, our business plan calls for the addition of, of staff, uh, particularly for outreach and sales. And then so, he, you know, the, so he could focus in on what we need to focus in now, which is serving the small fat uh, community. And then uh, with time, we're going to have the staff on board anyhow to expand our operation. So we we don't see it as two separate uh, silos, if you will, we we see it as a progression, and so this, you know, the small sat service into the LV1 project, and certainly once LV1 is 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 com- you know ready for flight, commercial flight, we are not going to consider it as a uh, again a, a separate uh, entity or service we're the portfolio we're already offering. The only difference is that we happen to be the developers of this particular vehicle.
0: Now. When you look at the business and you project uh, longer term, do you have the flexibility of saying, we're in this for the long term, we've got a revenue generating stream, we know there's going to be a market there, even if it's 10 years down the road, are you willing to... Because a lot of a lot of these small satellite companies, launch service providers, ones that are trying to to, to make a go of it now, are, are you know basically rushing. They're they're going as fast as they can to, to get their their vehicle to, to market. Do you, do you feel that um, uh, in your case or in anybody's case that it's all about getting it right, and if it takes a little bit longer, you know the market will still be there.
1: Yeah, for sure. We a couple of points there, I guess. Is the first one is that we're planning, uh, you know, our current approach at this very moment in our discussions with, uh, you know, clients is that we're we're looking at vehicles that are already in operation and have proven themselves to some degree. And we won't actually start planning the uh use of uh vehicles uh, until there is some sort of history there and that you know the last thing we want to do is book payload space on a vehicle that that's going to be delayed for a year because it's just not ready. so what we're we're mitigating against that by booking ensuring that we we book payload space on the vehicles that already uh, have some somewhat of a of, of a, a history performance history um, with respect to um, uh, reliability, I suppose. Uh, and and so what we you know and, and that works you know works its way up the the, the stream, so to speak, uh, by us not counting um, or expecting the launch vehicle provider to uh, know that we're counting on them to provide a service and therefore putting pressure on them. we'd rather they get it right and if that means a delay, well we've already built that into our business plan. we're not going to be too concerned. Uh, you know uh, because we're, we're we're planning not to use that vehicle anyhow until until we've got some sort of a history there and then once it is available and once we're satisfied that it can fly well off off we go we know we'll we'll, we'll start using it the um uh, the introduction i have to say uh, of the small launch vehicles that are coming on online right now, or, on you know, becoming available right now, uh, are going to revolutionize, I guess, the industry. I'm not sure if that's too heavy a term or not, but it certainly is going to change the the landscape. And so, um, you know, whether we look at a delay now uh, of operation uh, versus us remembering it five years from now, um, I don't think we'll be much of a much of a problem and and you know, we encourage our partners to make sure they get it right. One thing that we will remember are the failures and that's something we don't uh we don't want to have. So so we're trying to mitigate again that against that by waiting for the vehicles to be ready. Then we'll 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 uh, we'll look at using them after that.
0: Now you're a Canadian company. At the moment, there are no uh, launch facilities or spaceports uh, in Canada. Uh, Maritime mm. Launch Services is at working towards uh, doing that. But uh, for the sake of argument, let's say the Maritime Launch Services uh, plan falls through. Uh, is that something that uh, Space Horizon would work on or... See if anybody else was interested in building a spaceport in Canada?
1: Um, so, so, yeah, so, so we certainly, yeah, in, in terms of MLS, Maritime Launch Services, we certainly look forward to working with them in the future uh, when that time comes. Uh, you know, they, they have a number of processes that are underway, and we certainly wish all the best uh, in their accomplishment to, to succeed. Uh, with those um, those processes, uh, whether we, you know, if if we go uh, with um, our own solution is something that we do think about, we have thought about uh, right now, there's a number of things that have to, to change uh, on the regulation landscape in terms of what's permitted to fly in Canada and when. And so there's, there's a number of regulatory changes that would have to occur to permit um, that. Yep partners in this country, uh, which cannot happen until they're made. So that really it's a, it's a question of, uh, whether or not, um, it is very, it's a very, um, uh, metaphorical situation to consider about building launch facilities here in, in this country, whether through someone else or on our own in terms of the LV one project. Uh, we, uh, definitely do intend to launch from Canada, uh, the, the part of our business plan does include um, uh, uh, contingency uh, for that effect. The, um, the, the, you know, we only know what our launch uh, ground launch requirements are in very, very broad strokes, uh, but we would uh, definitely be um, working with somebody if somebody comes forward with their own plans to build a spaceport here in Canada. Depending on its location, uh, we would definitely take a look at it uh, something that um i I strongly feel that our country needs to have um, and uh, uh you know a facility that uh is led by uh somebody who whose intent is to create a facility for multiple use uh sized vehicles is 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 what uh, we probably should have, and we would definitely work with with anybody who comes forward and uh, with that kind of a plan for sure.
0: Now, is there anything that we haven't discussed that you think we should have discussed today?
1: Um, I'm going to just think about that for a second here. Um, I think I think we've got it covered. I, I guess I, I would like to say that Space Horizon uh, is a supporter of the Don't Let Go Canada effort that's being led by MDA. I think that, um, the efforts to shore up the, the industry, the space industry in this country is something that, uh, should be done and is being done. And so we applaud, uh, MDA for, for, for leading us down this, uh, this path of don't let go Canada. And so, uh, if, you know, I'd like to definitely say that, um, keep it up and, uh, we, we support it. Uh, we think that, um, as I had alluded to earlier, the space industry is going to become a significant part of our economy uh, at some point. And uh, it's going to happen sooner than later. Uh, you know, a lot of people say within the next decades, uh, you know, there very well may be a, a tipping point that we're going to reach where the industry really takes off. And I so strongly suspect it's going to have, a, a, you know, parallel, um, uh, uh, causes will be both uh, uh, resource extraction from the the surface of of our nearest planetary neighbor, the, the moon, and and tourism. And I think that once we start doing these things in earnest as a as a as a species, as a, you know, not just Canada but the, uh, the entire world. And once we start undertaking these sorts of activities, uh, you know, just hold on to your boots because we're going to be taking off literally and metaphorically and uh, space horizon uh will be placed at the perfect time to you know with its lv1 at a perfect time to exploit what will become you know a you know a significant addition to our economy and uh, as i said uh, earlier we we expect that uh with the availability of lv1 you know, everything needs to get into space until we actually start manufacturing, uh, and, you know, off the planet's surface, uh, we're going to need to get there. And that's why companies like Space Horizon and the others that are coming on board are going to fill a very uh, necessary demand of doing that. And uh, and that's what definitely our marketing information tells us will happen.
0: Okay. So with that, we'll uh, go into my last question, which uh, has nothing to do with our topic, which is what books, fiction or nonfiction, uh, are you reading or have you read uh, that you would recommend to our listeners?
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's a great question, uh, Mark. So uh, prior... so you know, in the last couple of years have been pretty busy with Space Horizon, so I haven't had much of an opportunity to read. But prior to, just prior to that, I had read um, a, a really good book, To Rule the Waves, uh, written by Arthur Herman. And it's uh, To Rule the Waves, the British Navy Shaped the Modern World. And it's an, an extraordinarily interesting book. Uh, I could give a couple of, of Points, I suppose, at the risk of, of not wanting to give too much away, but you know the term to strike. You know, when a laborer movement decides to to stop working. Well, the the term to strike was was actions taken by Royal Navy sailors. They struck their their sails, protest of not being paid on time, or or perhaps there was another grievance that they wanted to wanted to settle, and so that. The term to, to strike came from or originated with the Royal Navy's uh, uh, sailors who were, who were objecting or wanted a change to change to conditions that they were living in. And, and the other one would be three square meals a day. And, you know, y- you often wonder, well, what, if you give thought to these kinds of things like I do, uh, you know, where on earth would three squares originate from? Why do we call it three square meals? And of course, when you're on a, a Royal Navy ship sailing around the world, often for military purposes, but uh, often also for scientific purposes. You know, the the episode Star Trek, USS Enterprise, is more you know as much a science vehicle as it is a, a military vehicle. And so, same thing with the Royal Navy. And so, uh, three square. So these sailors would find themselves flung across the world on wooden ships with no internet, no electricity, none of the modern amenities that we have. One of the things they had to contend with was, was rough oceans. And these, these ships uh, would, would be tossed around uh, quite easily. And so one of the ways they mitigated of uh, or protected their uh, eating uh, apparatus, you know, utensils and, and plates and that sort of thing is they made everything as blockish as they could so that it could be strapped against the wall and and not thrown off and so the plates that they used were squares and so the term three square meals a day emanated from the use of of um of the the term from the Royal navy from the use of, of square plates from the royal navy and those are just a couple of uh, interesting things that that come from that book i i you know one of the i highly recommend it when you know, read it from start to end uh fairly quickly and it's of um, course, one of the more powerful anecdotes in the book was uh, the author as a very young child uh, remembers um, meeting a, a sailor who sailed in the early 1800s at the time, and he his big regret was not chatting up with him, of course. Uh, he was just a young child. The author was a young child in his own right, so obviously we can forgive him. But how interesting it must have been to, to link with somebody who was – um, from that epic, that, that uh, sorry, I'm using a French word here. From that time, uh, and, um, and uh, it just it fascinates me. Those those kinds of things fascinate me. I highly recommend the book.
0: Okay, that sounds good. and It uh, sounds like it would be a very fascinating read, and I didn't even know where those terms had come from, so thank you. <laughs> well, absolutely. Philip, uh, thank mm-hmm. you for being on the show. Uh, I hope we can catch up with you in, uh, in the future once uh, the business uh, gets uh, moving further along. Uh, thank you again. Well, no, absolutely. I really appreciate the, the opportunity
1: and, and the the, the service that SpaceQ provides to the industry as a, as a focal point for, uh, for everybody. Well,
0: that's a wrap on this episode of the SpaceQ podcast. If you like this show, please support us on Patreon. The address is patreon.com slash We really appreciate feedback, and to help us, we ask you consider to write a review on Apple Podcast or Google Play Music if you're so inclined. If you have any comments on this episode, you can email me at podcast at or you can post them on our website at spaceq.ca, where you'll find an archive of each episode. If you send me a comment by email, I'll write back to you as soon as I can. On Twitter, you can follow us at Canada in Space. And if you use Facebook, you can find all our articles and links to the podcast on our page, The Space Q. If you like the show, please subscribe to us through your favorite podcast app.